Welcome to another episode of Mick and Ori's Classic Cars. I'm Mick. And I'm Ori. And Ori, there's been many episodes and many off-air that we've spoken about in terms of rallying, what do we do for preparing a car for rallying. Track We're days. Talking, track days, all that. General talk- maintenance of your everyday car. Is there any different preparation? I agree. We've talked about all these things. How all do you these get things. them ready? However, we've got a special guest again. We've got Mara here from Veloci Motorsport, and we're going to talk about the more serious side of track days, the the ones that you've prepared for racing. So, Mario, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Welcome, Mario. Racing, Target Tasmania, track days, classic rallies. Is there any difference in preparing those cars? And we've got the expert here to answer those questions. Yeah, so, Mario, the I mean, I've seen one come through. We had the... I remember the Fiat 124 Sport that came through, which was a a road car in a a bit of disrepair, but it was running sort of thing. But that got completely stripped, roll cage. Tell us a little bit about that and what that's done since you've prepared it for race. Okay. Well, Michael, that car there, you're right, it came in as a road car. um, And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was about four years ago. And the client decided that he wanted to continue with his uh, tarmac rally. Um, he does a lot of historic tarmac rally, Target Tasmania, as you know, Michael. And he wanted to build a new car. He wanted to build something that was a little a, a little bit more secure for him from getting away from a slightly smaller car. So we started with a, a new car and, and the whole idea, firstly, was safety. Safety was number one. So we stripped this car in brief and we sent it out to have a full uh, roll cage fitted. And that was fitted by some technicians here who have worked primarily with, with rallying and WRC, in fact, uh, so we built a beautiful cage for that car. So that was gave the, the car its backbone, I suppose. And then from there, we decided what we were going to do, what class we were going to put it in, how, how much we were going to modify it. So we built a car close to what we call, uh, I've, I've forgotten the group off the top of my head, but what we call modified. So it has a 1500cc engine now, not a 1400cc engine, twin cam Fiat engine. So it was an AC then? It was the an engine. AC. Yeah, it was an AC. Um, yeah, lovely car. So we built with the intention to run it in all of its events, three to five days. So with that in mind, we, we, we've thought about reliability. How are we going to make this car reliable? It's not just a track car. It doesn't do a 20-minute sprint. It's got to last at least five days. So with that, we didn't stretch the engine more than we needed to, so we worked within the rules there. And when we looked at things like gearboxes, we selected a gearbox within the Fiat group that we knew was more reliable than the current unit. That was the uh, 131? 131 gearbox, yeah. So it's got a five-speed 131 gearbox. And then in the rear end, we we went from what Fiat used to use, as we call an open diff or a live diff. We now have a limited slip diff centre in the middle. So uh, that took care of the driveline. And so from there, we, we built a car. And even when it comes to things like electrics, we stripped all the electrics out of the car and made sure that we only put back the things we needed in that. So basically, you start with a shell. We started with a shell, yep. And even then, with the shell, Ori, um, they completely sandblasted it. We completely to make sure yeah, we completely blasted it. Actually, we dipped this car, so we sent it away to have it chemically paint removed. So what what came back was a car with more than a few extra holes, let's say. Um, so it's got a new floor in and and bits and pieces like that. But yeah, so it came back as a shell, and really that car. Its real structure is now the roll cage, which is the most important part of the car, which gives the, Safe, the, the biggest safety, the, the biggest safety, and feature. even in the floor, um, I believe the floor is actually set lower now, isn't it? The floor is not set lower, Mick. What we have done is removed all the all the bumps and all the uprights that were in the floor. So now it has a flat floor, and the seats and seat runners are made accordingly. So that way, we've been able to get the driver down a bit lower in the car, which works 
in two ways. It, it can actually see out the windscreen and it's actually lowered the centre of gravity a little bit. I was going to say, when you do all that sort of stuff, how do you still balance it? Because you've changed the engine size now, you've dropped the floor down, made it flatter, you know, driving position is going to be a bit Good question, uh, Ori. What we did do with that car is we actually what we call corner weighted it. So we actually weighed the car as, as it was being built. Um, we constantly kept weighing the car and things like the fuel cell and stuff like that, made sure that we put it where it needed to be and, and lots of little things because at the end of the day, every every washer, screw or clip that you put on that car adds weight. So you keep all that in mind, even things like brake bias, where you sit that in the car just to try and find a bit more balance because if it's if it's all in one corner and we also use the driver and the navigator as part of that. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, so it's so. definitely got a navigator seat. So if he wants to take the navigator seat out, would you need to rebalance everything because it's just the driver in there now? Yes, you would, but it's very difficult to get the perfect balance because, you know, most drivers might be sort of 70, 80 kilos and that's that's hard to put in a, in another side of the car. So once that car's set up for a driver and a navigator, it has to stay like that, yeah? Close enough to, yeah. You know, you say you prepare the car, prepare the engine for three to five days. How do you do that? So what are we saying? So after day, I mean, what happens to the rally when another two days, this car wouldn't be able no, to no, go? No, the, the, the car would. So what, what I keep reminding... Um, owners and drivers of, of racing cars especially tarmac rally cars the cars that you know do you know three to five days rally is from the inset of day one the car gets older so by the time we get to day five the car's five days old and what i mean by that is we look at the components that and in fact what we try and do is look at the car's weaknesses and work with those more than what the, we know is reliable so if we think that the car is not great in the way it's it's, uh, it's gearbox works or whatever. We concentrate on those areas to make sure it get through the five days, you know. So, um, But, yes, you, bu- you build a car for more than five days. But the fi- what I mean by five days is we build a car knowing that our brakes and tyres are good for five days, our suspension is good for five days, and we tune the car accordingly. So we take out as much weight as we need we can for the car. So we, we, we adapt to the particular event that we go to. So I know that you've done a few Target Tasmanias and you've done it with Michael also and you're touring with the cars, at the end of day one, do you do a full service on the car? What you know, The, the rally's gone. Michael's now at the bar with his mates having a drink. What happens to the car? Every night we do that, Ori. Every night we get the cars back, um, especially the full, the full competition cars, and we put them up on stands because the areas they give us to work aren't great like the workshop, unfortunately. So all wheels off, and we check every corner. We check as many components as we can. And it's mainly for safety, really. And it's mainly for safety, exactly right. We make sure that things haven't moved, bolts haven't come undone, and we tag and mark all our bolts on the racing car, and simply a visual is often all that's needed, is to make sure things haven't moved. And if things have moved, then you have to find out why before. And and this particular car, it's done how many rallies? It's done two Target Tasmanias? It's done two Target Tasmanias, and it's done one high country. High country in... Victoria. Victoria, okay. So the last Target Tasmania... They got to the podium. Yes, we had a second in class last time which round, which is was phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a big field, and uh, you're going flat out. And some of the some of the stages at Target Tasmania, there's one that's what 52 kilometres long. Or yeah, I mean, yeah, concentrating for that long. And just to give you, actually, what you said before, uh, Ori was, you know, what, what we do. And Michael, to answer your question, there is the first year we took that car to Tasmania, we used it as a test bed more than anything we went with really open-minded we wanted to make sure this car got home with all four wheels at, at on day five and in those five days we did we found a few things that weren't quite right one was a you know, gear lever for example a couple of little things so we when the car came back we 
we looked at the weaknesses, like I said before, and we, we t- took care of those areas and we took it back the next year, fixed those problems, and we got a podium finish. So, yeah. So yeah, that, so was, fan- learning- that was fantastic. Were there learnings also from taking that car, and like you said, you know, to check what was happening, that then you can put on Michael's car when he goes, oh, I want to do Target Tasmania. Not timed, but I'm still want to do Target Tasmania. I need it five days. There are things the, to say. The, look- theory's, the theory's the same. So it's it's a different car and a, and a different component of the rally, but the theory is the same. And with Michael's car, we did the same. Safety was number one, and but but his is really a road car, so it's not not completely stripped down like like the Fiat we're talking about. But the, the same applies. So every night we would look over it. Of course, they weren't doing the speeds the, the other cars were doing. Or the G-forces. But but the idea was the same. The idea is the same. So, yeah. Okay, just leaving that side of things, the rallying side of things out of the way. Now, you've been running, you know, a GT championship in Australia for a fair few years in, uh, was it a 360? Yeah, we I ran a, I ran a client for ten year, almost 10 years in the Australian GT championship in a Ferrari 360 challenge. And he's still got the car? He still owns the car, but it's it's partly retired now. It's it's but it's a wonderful car. It's got a little bit of history as well. It uh, in brief, he, my clients had it for ten or more years. It was a car that Alan Simonson won a championship in. Oh yes. Um, so is that a standard three sixty or is it a three sixty GT? It's a it's a, a three hundred and sixty challenge with a GT spec engine in it. So it's it it runs in a nutshell about four hundred and forty horsepower. I really need to get mine up to that. I think. Yeah, you can do it. You can do it. So, so okay. running that, I mean, so you went all around Australia with him? Yeah, How did we, that did, work? we went all around Australia with that particular car. We even took that car overseas, uh, Michael, to, to do a round overseas as well. Wonderful car, great time. The Australian GT Championship was a wonderful thing, but they're, they're different. That's different to tarmac railing. Yeah, very, that's why I'm different. asking. I mean, you know, you've got to set up and that's really a sprint, not a – you know, an endurance race. No, like. generally it's a four-day weekend, as we call a four-day weekend. You have a, a qualifying practice day, then you have followed by three race days. And each day has usually one event, one race, sometimes two. And those those races are, you know, 20 to 30 minutes long. But they're all on the same track. They're all on a track. All on a circuit. Yeah, all circuit the, and the same circuit. Same so circuit. Not, yeah, okay. Yeah. And so you've got your um, garage set up for yeah. that. We we, we we ran at places like Clipsal, Bathurst, you know, oh, okay. uh, Homebush and Victoria and New South Wales and all those sort of circuits. Yeah, Phillip Island, Phillip Island. Yep. So now, we, now, what are you trying to do with those engines? You're saying I just want to get them good for the next half an hour for the the, the thirty laps, the twenty laps. Is it you know not the four days, five days? So those car that's so that, that's a different style of racing. So w- with that, yes, we we try and take all of that engine's power out everything out of that car every last bit that you can that we can for 20 or 30 minutes however long that race is so you set up differently so you know you're, you're often changing oils all the time like uh, brake fluid for example you do it every time it comes back you know you look at the gearbox or you look at the engine oil you know you're trying to find those little tenths you know every little piece every little piece spark plugs do we change them again let's change them again so you're looking for every tenth Fantastic. every tenth yeah. That's a bit different than the rallying, isn't yeah. and it? You spend, and you spend just as much time, if not more, preparing the car for those events. You know, you'll turn up at the track with a car that you've already spent over a week preparing at a workshop, and then you get to the track and you, you go over it all again, you know, and every night it's the same thing. Obviously, very, very different. those cars there, those sorts of cars, the GT cars that you're talking about, there's a couple for sale at the moment. And I've always seen, they say I've done X amount of kilometres and this and that, but it's completely different, isn't it, when you look at buying one of those cars? What do you look, what little, do you look for? It's a little running? irrelevant because those, most racing cars have had multiple engine rebuilds or gearbox rebuilds or suspension rebuilds. So 
we, we talk about more hours that they work than than actual kilometers. And like a tractor. Yeah, like a tractor. More, so, more, so if yeah, we were, and that's the other thing that we used to do with a racing car when when you are really truly trying to compete. If you if you put a new component on the car, we we, we log that component. We know that's been fitted on a particular day and it's done this much work. So because there are components like drive shafts and bits and pieces that you often change because you know that they're going to break. So really, it's irrelevant what if you're buying one of those race cars then online. It's irrelevant what's in there because you're going to strip it all out anyhow. Correct or not? So what am I? Am I buying the chassis? Am I buying the roll cage? Am I buying the bare metal? You're buying the basis the of the car. The carcass, basically. Yeah, right. and, and its history its history will depict on how much work you want to do do to it once it's yours. Do you get a PPI for one of those? Not really. Good to know. Good to know. Cause I've always wondered because you see them advertised and they're different. It's, it's, and its history is more important, I yeah, think. Yeah, okay. And that's so, because, really, you're going to rebuild everything. It's that's like, what I'm thinking, yeah. You know, if you're going to buy a car that's going to be a project car, you don't have to be worried so much whether it's got the original exhaust and it's got – if it's a project car, you're going to be rebuilding everything. But if you see the, these GT racing cars that are online for sale and things like that, that they're not as expensive as right, the road cars, obviously, but is that the reason because things are going to be rebuilt so you yeah, won't well, to, to, to give you, to give you a, a really quick glimpse at the sort of thing we're talking about, I, I can't remember what year it was, but we were competing in Sydney at Homebush this particular year and it was the last round of, of, the, of the championship, the Australian GT Championship, and the, and the driver had a mixed, mixed year, but we knew that when we did the maths, we needed to finish, I can't remember where it was, but we had to come back fifth to, to be third in the championship. So it was a really, really, really big event for us. And we were about three laps short of this new Homebush track at the time and the drivers come over the radio and said hey I can hear a noise so I said what noise you keep driving and for three laps the noise got worse to the point where I thought the car was going to break but we squeezed every last bit of power out of that car crossed the line and won third in the championship and what's irrelevant is that moment in time we bring the car back and we fix it the next season for the next one but if you you brought it off the track prematurely you would have lost anyway we would have lost a year's work and it's not as if you're yeah. going to drive it home because it's on a trailer or on a truck. You're not driving it anyhow every day. It's so you think very, events. very differently. Very, very differently. Track racing is very different to uh, to a bitumen rally or and, and and that's racing because at time and same as target. How about an actual one of these cars just to go to a track day like we went to? Is it any setup differently because it's only short sprint or is it track day? Most of these track days, I think you guys are talking about driver training days, maybe it's driver training, and it's but really it, we, you're going at your own pace or whatever. But some people have bought out their GT cars. Right? Yeah, well, well, driver training days or sprint days or you know, it's 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 still safety is number one, and, and the most important things are brakes, tires, suspension. You know, because if the engine stops, you go home, but if it doesn't stop, you hit a wall. So, uh, brakes and suspension so that's number one. Thing. Yep. Mm. I just I see them coming out. You know, we, we're lucky enough to see them. We don't, we didn't drive them, but they're out there. And I think, geez, the main, the just to get them ready to go out and do three, four laps, is it? It's a big expense. I would have thought. Yeah, it can be. It can be. But the the three hundred and sixty GT that uh, we're talking about here, in terms of starting it or doing anything different, you know, is it much different than a road car to get in and drive it? it yes, it is. It is, Michael. Um, with the race car, with the particular race car, we're talking about the the challenge car. This particular piece of car, it's not a car you can just turn the key and start. It, there's a process. There's a process. You've got to warm it up. You've got to. It's got to be at the right temperature. You can't turn it off early because if you turn it off early, it won't restart. So it's it's a completely different monster. It's, uh, it's if you turn it off early, it won't restart. Yeah. Hey, that's temperamental. That's temperamental. But what I did notice, uh, I had the fortunate thing. We, um, that car went to a, a Ferrari Nationals. 
And I remember it was raining on the day, raining on the day. And the driver, I mentioned the driver, but he went out there and he was going as if it was a dry track. We could not believe how you drive that well, car. The wonderful thing about a, a, a really, really well set up race car is the level of grip, Michael. So the level of grip makes the difference between being able to drive in the wet or not driving it in the wet. And and that's all the years of experience and setup that makes the difference. I mean, and that's really, why you see on, uh, sorry, Ori, that's why you see in, you know, Grand Prix, some of the cars that are further down the the back, when it starts to rain, if they're good drivers and the cars set they catch up, up, they catch up, they can get on the yeah, pace. I would have thought the only changes would be the tyres, yeah? That you'd have to change? I mean, the no, setup of the car and stuff like that doesn't change yes, if, it, it does. if the weather... Oh, does it? It does, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, okay. we change ride heights and, and configuration of the front and rear roll bars or, or whatever it might take to make to give us more grip. In so it grip. might have... Uh, it won't be as stiff, maybe you yeah, loosen off loosen the suspension. Off yeah. But then as throughout the day, you know, and we see the conditions change throughout the day. Say it's raining heavily, the race is start, and then it all of a sudden dries out. You're changing those things as it comes into the pits, yeah? yeah? Ori, often, wow. dr- often your driver will come back in, for example, on a three-day weekend or a four-day weekend, and the w- weather's pretty much the same. It might change by five degrees, and you haven't really done too much on the setup, but he'll come back on day two saying, I don't like it. It feels so different to yesterday. And it's the track conditions change, the track temperature change, the level of grip has changed, so you might try and find you know, so a, a little tweak, a tweak here or a tweak there. So, you know, I mean, we're talking about fuel-injected cars here, but like the Fiat 124 is a carby car. Yep. So with the altitudes that you have... At say Tasmania, you've got the high humidity, or not humidity, sorry, you've got the denser air. Do you change anything in terms of the carburation? Carburation? Not really. Um, Carburetted cars in general like the cooler conditions. Uh, they they always have liked the cooler conditions. You know, sometimes you might if if you get if the altitudes are too high, then you might change the fuel mixture a little bit. You know, you get the screwdriver in there and you listen to the engine, and you, you might change a little bit. But generally, the carburetor cars in the cooler conditions um, are at their peak. Michael. There you go. So, have you ever had a track day or racing event? Nothing's gone wrong. I had to think about that, didn't I? Just about impossible, I'd is say. It, yeah, well, I don't know. It, and, no, we probably have. With all fairness, we probably have. I just can't think of it. And on now, the flip side, something. the worst thing that's happened. I mean, is the engine blow? I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen? Blow the engine, I suppose. No, you can't. You don't probably. go home. Well, yeah, yeah, we're not going to talk about that. that the worst, look, the worst thing that's happened in, in my experiences with with. Uh, Apart with, from crashes, with crashes, yeah, um, we've so had, more engine problem. Yeah, had engine failure, gearbox day had, day one had an that, engine let go. Yeah, and is there anything could have been done in hindsight when you go back and look at it all and say why did it go? That could have been to prevent it, or it was just one of those things. Both scenarios, uh, Ori. We've had have had engines that are let go, and you come back and you think, oh, we should have tried this, but often we're experimenting. And it's just happened recently, actually. We were experimenting with a new engine for a, for, a, for a track car and we pushed the boundaries too far. We knew we were pushing the boundaries too far and the engine only did one meeting, you know, so we're back to the drawing board. And from there we learned, so we pull it back a little bit so it doesn't happen again. Yeah, but we've got to say that's that wasn't a Ferrari, though. No, it wasn't. No, you know, that's a Japanese car, so we're not, we're not talking <laughs> about Japanese cars, really. But, but anyway, the motorsport principles are the same. The motorsport principles are the same. So really, how many hours of work would go into preparing a car for a not a rally a, oh, yeah okay for a rally or a race day one of those timed event right like the 360 how many hours of work pre to the event the car getting there would you put into that car between events I would probably put 40 hours in a car yeah but that's not building that's just no, between that's events correct. between events yeah uh, because you go, you go through everything 
when you're competing and you and you truly are competing because you, you you want a podium or you wanted something in the championship yeah it's, it's just another level you've got to go through and check everything you've got to go right through the car you've got to make it as good or better it's different to Formula 1 these events aren't they you can touch the car at the end of the day you can tweak because Formula 1 they're not going to touch the engines they're not going to tweak so how do, how do, you, how do you as a technician well, they've, they've got no, to make them controlled the problem we, is, our engines are well the engines are controlled in the Australian GC ta- Championship they tag oh, they the engines are. as well so you, right. yeah so w- once you turn up you know, if you're deemed to be modifying the engine on on race day, yeah, you're disqualified. You'll get penalised for it. Okay, oh, I didn't know that. Even in uh, you know, when you're talking about Formula One, they'll they'll say that you're not allowed to have so many more than an amount of hours yep. in terms of practice because yep. they try and keep the costs yep. down for the lower teams. Yep. And they have even in Australian GT, even to today, they, you know, the cars are weighed. There's a, there's a minimum maximum weight and all that stuff. They, there's weight penalties and all that sort of stuff applies as well. So it's not build a big car and let's go and win. It's, uh, you've got to work within the rules as well. So you've, you've been lucky enough to work on a few different race cars, different uh, manufacturers. If Mick and Ori said, we want a race car that we want to take to the track, we want to race, we want to enter these competitions, what car would you pick for us to rebuild and say, this is the one? Uh, before you Ferrari, answer that question, Ferrari. before you answer that question, Mario, I think, one of the considerations is what class you yeah, want to be Yeah, where you in. want to run the car. So do you want to be in historics because we like we're to classics. run classics? Yep, we want to run classics. Or do we want to do... We're not uh, modern. We're not going to do the... Yeah. We're not going to do a 458 GT3, Correct. We're not example. doing that. Yeah, so well, look, if you were going to run it, we're talking tarmac rally or, or, or circuit? Um, tarmac rally. We no, wanna... that's a circuit, not okay. tarmac rally. No, right. there's well, too see, many we fences. We can't agree on that. Okay. And, and barriers and trees. Uh, and we go hunting for them, so we don't want that. So, what era of motor car? Open? Well, it's got to got to be sorry. Open, like we're just talking track tra- track racing. A uh, tin top and uh, classics. So, 25, 30 years. Okay. Well, look, I think knowing who you guys are and where you need to be, not too complex. Yeah, not complex. We're not complex. Not complex. Not too much com- onboard computer. I'd probably say Ferrari five fifty. Aye. Oh. Hey, what about the five fifty LM? Wonderful motor car. Unbelievable! Have you seen some of the videos on that? That would be so. Run a five fifty. In what class would that be, though? Because that's not a classic, really. That's no, a ninety seven circuit, circuit racing. We're just oh, talking circuit nine, racing. And yeah. what what category There'd would be that? a category for it? Mick, I think we need to start looking for a five fifty gated shift. We don't have to worry about matching from... numbers. Don't no, have to worry. no, no. But anyway, that's interesting. That's a good one. Okay. I didn't expect that answer from you, Murray. Lovely I'd... balanced motor car with you know enough power. Enough, a lot of power. A it's lot of it's power. interesting. It wasn't. It was recently. We were talking to someone that's got you know progressed. You know, with a lot of supercars and current ones and the FXXs and all sorts of things, and talked about. You know, Ori asked him a question about. You know, what what is what was your first sort of supercar? Let's say, and what he did, he had the five fifty Marinellos, and he reckons absolutely brilliant, wonderful motor, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, he did. Murray said there's a process to going through to starting these cars and, you know, you can't just switch them off because you won't start them again. I think Michael had a bit of an experience the other night yeah, that, starting an FXX. That, that was that was good. We'll talk about that, that another time. That process. But, yeah, but that there you that. go. So these racing cars are completely different to your everyday road car. Yeah, it's it's different, and the problem with that is you can't just roll up like we do at a track day. Okay, you've, you know, you've changed the brake fluid, you've changed this. You can't roll up to a... You know, a race day, you need a crew. You need a crew. You, do. you, you know, crew. the computers, you need all sorts of things to, to make sure. And the higher the level, the more you need. 
So we know, Murray, you're a passionate technician. You've been doing it for many years. You love the cars. You love Ferrari. Would you see yourself when you retire just being part of a crew and touring and doing these rallies? You know, like a semi-retirement sort of thing. I think once you're involved with these cars, or it's really hard to step away. I don't think you can ever step away. You'll always have some involvement. So we've got our technician, Michael, when we go into the 550. Just trying to, you know, long term, mate. Yeah, long term. But what I've, I have noticed in my little time that I've, I've seen you at some of the track, at, at times it's extremely hard work. Yeah. And I've seen it where we've left you and at 2 o'clock in the morning you're still changing a clutch or something or whatever's gone wrong. And, but the excitement that the next morning the car's ready and it runs and it gets a podium. Yeah, see, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's true. And it's, it's funny you say that, Michael, because the driver thinks about the podium and getting there. For me as a technician, it is it is the driver as well, but it's the car. For me, it's the car. So getting up in the morning after you've been there for two or three in the morning doing some changes, it's, it's for me, it's the car. It's it's the reward of seeing it cross the line. You know, so often, and I say that because some of the cars I've been involved with had different drivers in them, but it's still that car. That, that's that car. It's still that car. So for me, it's about the car. It's, uh, you know, here it is, it's come home, or it's or we've been able to fix something overnight that's that's made, it, made an incredible difference the day after so from a professional opinion, technician's opinion, if you can leave the listeners with three pieces of advice for their road car or their race car, what, what are the three things that you say, you know, these are the must-dos when you own any of these luxury classic cars, Ferrari, Lamborghini, uh, GT racer, whatever it may be. What would you be if you said, you know what, if all my owners did this, this and this, my job would be so okay, much easier. Okay, so for, for, for road car owners that are truly road cars, maintenance, yearly maintenance, just stay on top of things. For the guys that want to do some track work, you've got to do some preventative stuff, as in brakes, tyres, suspension. You've got to keep those things on top all the time. And the third one, have fun. Well, yeah. it's all about fun. It's all about fun. It. And you, you you've got to have uh, you've got to be prepared for things to go wrong and still have enjoyed the event. You do. You've got to be prepared for things to go wrong. Yeah, you. Um, that's part of it. And if you can walk away with a smile, you've, that's you've bonus. achieved. That's a bonus. That's fantastic. Oh, look, it's been a great chat, Murray. I looked to, to talk about some of these things that you don't really think about that much. And and Ori, we've talked about sometimes, you know, whether we do something like this or whatever. Try and get a calf to do anyways, this. One, one step at a time, Ori. But um, you happy to leave it there? With, I think we. Yeah, I think Murray has left us with a a wish list, a few to things go, to ponder. Yeah. Anyway, Ma- coming, Mario. Thanks for coming. Pleasure, Ori, thanks, Murray. We're going to leave it there, and of course, you can reach the show on our website or. Contact us on email on Mick and Ori at gmail.com and, of course, our Instagram page. Which we'll have a few photos, I think, on our Instagram page of Mario and some, and some of, of these cars rallies yeah. that he's worked on, yeah. Yeah. So, remember, if your car's not a classic... It will be one day. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys.